0: Hello and welcome to another episode of CIO Leadership Live. I'm Mary Fran Johnson, Executive Director of CIO Programs for IDG, and your host for today's conversation with CIO Joel Jacobs of MITRE Corporation. For those of us in the Boston area, MITRE is a familiar and a longtime neighbor. Founded in 1958, this private, not-for-profit organization provides consulting, engineering, and technical research services for many agencies of the federal government. With more than 8,300 scientists, engineers, and technologists on staff in its primary research facilities in Massachusetts and Virginia, MITRE operates seven federal R&D centers, which work on everything from defense to healthcare to cybersecurity. My guest today has more than three decades of experience working both at MITRE and in the consulting and professional services industries. He's worked in a variety of IT and engineering leadership positions at MITRE over the years and has been the CIO since 2009. Joel, welcome. Great to have you here today.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Let's start out, MITRE's customer list is quite an alphabet soup of the federal agencies, all the big scary ones, Department of Homeland Security, Department of Defense, and so forth. What kind of work takes top priority for you in IT, and how do you organize the IT group to deliver on your mission?
1: So the IT organization has an enterprise-wide responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's not uh, focused on individual customers per se, Mm -hmm. Our sponsors uh, work directly with uh, the operating units of the company, Mm -hmm. and um, MITRE's central IT corporate IT uh, has a responsibility for provisioning company-wide. The the company itself is organized um, with different focuses on the individual research and federal federally funded research and development centers, Mm -hmm. but as a whole, the company is is. Our mission is uh, to solve problems for a safer world, Mm -hmm. and that means uh, organizing uh, to the missions of the individual sponsors as well. Uh, IT, if if, if you look at the website or or hear a description of uh, of us operating seven separate uh, centers, Mm -hmm. it sounds like we're uh, disjoint or under a holding company, but inside Mm -hmm. the company it feels much more... um, Integrated than that, you you wouldn't you wouldn't know somebody if somebody is working for one part of the organization or one part of the government or another. Um, There's a lot of cross cross work. Uh, There are large technology centers with with uh, concentrations of people with a given skills base Mm -hmm. who are uh, lent to those organizations. And uh, a lot of what we do is capture and reuse the knowledge from one project to another. Mm-hmm. So IT um, has a knowledge management responsibility that's enterprise-wide as well.
0: OK, interesting. The Every IT organization today seems to be in the midst of uh, some sort of either disruption or transformation, disruption in both the good and the bad senses um, of, of all the things that are happening in today's world and with technology. How does that play out at MITRE? Mm.
1: Uh, in, in a couple of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, our sponsors have their own interests in disrupting themselves to improve things. So uh, there's a a lot of our work has to do with modernization and solving very difficult problems, Mm -hmm. but also modernizing the way government operates. Mm -hmm. Uh, Inside, from the inside of MITRE, um, there's uh, a greater and greater demand for speed and a recognition Mm -hmm. that that, uh, uh, speed uh, shouldn't introduce error but speed should be responsive to the challenges as Mm -hmm. a whole. And uh, the expectations keep getting uh, set higher and higher by the pervasive use of technology in the world, not just in corporate entities Mm -hmm. or in government agencies. There's a uh, great desire to take advantage of what's available, and the expectations are being set higher.
0: Yeah. Have you found that um, the changes that you need to make in the IT organization, are they also coming more rapidly? I Most IT organizations restructure themselves every few years. Uh, it may be that you need more in development resources one year and then uh, perhaps analytics requires starting a whole new function. Um, uh, talk a little bit about how you've got IT organized today and how that has most recently changed.
1: Um, IT, um Organized today has been uh, what we've done over the last uh, five years or so is mm-hmm. concentrate on on recognizing that there are different demands on IT. There are demands mm-hmm. for um, for very high SLA, very um, mm-hmm. predictable foundations, and there's also demands for rapid turns of of incorporating new technologies or developing new c- technologies. Yeah. And sometimes those feel like they're in conflict in the same organization. Mm-hmm. So um, in addition to instrumenting very mu- a large portion of what we do, uh, we've recognized that we want to have really solid industrial strength foundations and on top of that innovate rapidly uh, you know, without breaking that. Yeah. And it shouldn't be breakable um, uh, to bring new value. Uh, to the user population Mm -hmm. so um, years ago we'd have a five-year plan and uh, we'd follow that five-year plan and we'd recognize what moved to the left and what moved to the right in our Mm -hmm. roadmap Um, but if you if just having lived through that you realize some things never hit the plan but they turn to be out to be really important parts of of how we operate yeah um we never had a plan for an iPhone because we never saw it, saw it coming. Mm-hmm. We, we, uh, so the rapid turns of technology are such that that uh, it's much harder to plan uh, for in very deep specifics. Uh, we need to be able to adapt. Yeah. And so we're trying things faster, um, either adopting them or discarding them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are. Um, uh, uh, experimenting with new capabilities or new ideas as fast as we can mm-hmm. uh, and then rolling them out without recognizing that it's a three-year plan uh, I know that uh, um, transforming a network th- our entire network is going to take a lo- is be going to be a long process but introducing a smaller um, application capability ought to be really fast mm-hmm. um, how many apps do you have on your phone Um how many of them can bring value in a corporate environment, and how do you make sure that uh, those, uh, the things that we do bring out really bring value. There's a joke recently at a conference I saw that uh, um, the first thing that people take off of their phones is the corporate apps, um, Uh as opposed (laughs) to the things that they add. So um, if we're gonna uh, bring in innovation and uh, rapidly deploy new capabilities, we need to make sure that they bring value quickly as mm-hmm.
0: well. Well, and you mentioned the you know the big focus on solving problems, and when I think about IT people, they they are very methodological thinkers, and they really like to work on a problem until it's just about perfect. Yeah. You know, solutions. The what is it? Perfect is the enemy of good, or maybe yeah. that's good. Yeah. It's yeah. A, that might be the other way around. Um, the um, how do you culturally? Get that speed built in without making people feel just fundamentally uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, um,
1: I think uh, high speed almost always is c- going to make at least some portion of the population uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. If we're holding um, some portion of the operation to a to a very high standard of availability and and mm-hmm. accuracy, um, then. Um, they're going to be uncomfortable if, there's, if they think that the pace is so great that they can't assure, li- they can't uh, do good work. if they can't keep that yeah. level of assurance. Mm-hmm. So you have to make it safe to have um, failure, not massive failure, right. but contained failure within, the ex- uh, within some level of experimentation. Mm-hmm. So we can try something new. Uh, if it's not going to work out, extract ourselves from it and move on to another possibility. The, the the challenges keep emerging, yeah. um, and if we're just going to uh, I- if we don't try thing enough things, then mm-hmm. we are not going to likely find the best solutions. Right. So we want rapid turns uh, on the in the areas that we can, Kay. and solid foundations on which they operate, mm-hmm. and uh, that combination is, is is a delicate balance. But mm-hmm. that's what we try to do.
0: Okay. Well, the um, and we'll talk a little bit more about all your innovation efforts, because I know that that's a big focus for you as the CIO. Um, But one of the recent changes that we just talked about recently um, actually concerns your own role. You are Vice President, the Chief Information Officer, and the Chief Security Officer which is an unusual combo. Um, we run into a lot of CIOs that have taken on different corporate functions, and I know you've done that in your career at MITRE. Um, but talk about having wearing both of those hats. And this is not just an interim position. This is something no. that is, is has been thought through, and I'd love to hear more about that.
1: So... Um, the there are, over the years, there's been different schools of thought about how you where, where the point of separation of duties ought to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the CISO and the IT director um, need to have a separate ar- uh, point of arbitration mm-hmm. because an IT director is likely to lean more towards functionality or new capability. That's their mission. And the, uh, the CISO is going to lean more towards Assurance mm-hmm. and information management. protection, mm-hmm. yeah. and so somebody's got to be there with the you know, the striped shirt and the whistle to mm-hmm. to uh, uh, arbitrate between them. Um, my role as as CSO is is broader than cybersecurity. It includes mm-hmm. other elements of security for the company as a whole. The physical security. A- physical, physical security, mm-hmm. the the security that we need um, in order to follow government processes and the like. Mm-hmm. We do have a CISO who answers to me, and he is empowered to throw the red flag if he thinks uh, we are uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of football analogies, right? uh, (laughs) Well, you know, Super Bowl time, Super Bowl Bowl this weekend, and And, all that. Now we've just turned off eighty-five percent of the of the people listening, Mm -hmm. being Mm -hmm. on the Patriots side. Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, so he is he is empowered to uh, to raise his hand if he thinks there's uh, a bias mm-hmm. and he can escalate up to the CEO if if, if that's what he thinks is required. Okay. And it's, a, you know, it's not it, there's a no penalty arrangement around that that yeah. says if you really believe that we're making a choice that is leaning too far out of where we should uh, be going then you should say so. Okay, um, But in the meantime um, though a lot of the work in um, in compliance and in cyber risk management really takes a good partnership between IT and information security operations. Our cyber risk program, our cyber um, security program, mm-hmm. um, is really aligned to uh, balance those risks, and uh, the IT organization has to be geared up and mobilized to. Both deliver the services, but deliver them secure, securely. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as long as we can maintain an effective partnership between those organizations, um, I think it's an advantage mm-hmm. uh, to have uh, uh, a clean understanding of where they mer- where yeah. they meet. Yeah. Um, I've I can imagine the uh, counter argument. I've made that counter argument, mm-hmm. and as a consultant, I've made that counter argument for other organizations. But I think it will. Wor- I think it works well in our environment mm-hmm. um, because people have moved from one side of that equation to the other, including yeah. me, right. uh, at different times in their career. So it's uh, it's been a balance between new functionality and capability, and and availability and convenience and user experience, mm-hmm. with uh, security and assurance. Um, and um, I, we've got a Team that works well together.
0: Yeah, well, and this is uh, something that the your CEO and the board actually they were deeply involved in this decision. You Um, didn't you didn't necessarily volunteer for this, and they uh, said okay, (laughs) this was something that kind of came from on high as Um, a consideration. Yeah,
1: it was a so the we have a new CEO. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has a vision for the company. Uh, He's uh, been with the company for twenty five years or yeah, yeah. Um, so he's very familiar with the company and he's mobilizing it mm-hmm. uh, and reorganizing in ways to um, among other things um, speed it up and okay. he wants to m- for the company to be able to move uh, more quickly mm-hmm. and uh, I think he's streamlined some of the executive positions mm-hmm. and I now answer to the Chief Operating Officer, mm-hmm. and um, and it was part of that creation of a corporate ops organization that uh, had us relook at many of the different elements of uh, that would be contained within corporate operations. Mm-hmm. And the result of that uh, analysis across HR, func- uh, HR, IT, knowledge management, uh, security, uh, finance, and so on, is what resulted in. Uh, having me take on the uh, CSO role CSO as well.
0: Role. How has that, and you've been doing it for several months now. Uh,
1: since the summer, yes.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> How has that changed your day-to-day balance of responsibilities, and um, what sort of changes has that brought about in either the way IT operates or the way security operates? I mean, are there just more meetings that everybody <laughs> has to come to?
1: Um, no, I think, uh, so I think it's, w- we're getting, uh, f- cleaner lines of decision. And uh, I think that um, yeah, any time mm-hmm. you, you change the, the basic structure of a company of 8,000 people, it takes a while to get the new, um, a new equilibrium about expectations mm-hmm. and, and uh, communications lines and the like. And so we're some months into it, so six months or so into mm-hmm. it, and um, I think it'll be a, a continuous improvement process um <clears throat> that said um i think there are places where we can we have achieved a faster interaction uh, between different organizations because uh there's a clearer line yeah and uh i the think the
0: chain of command is just a lot easier to see up and down that's right yeah
1: that's right we used to so to to be uh specific um uh information security and it met at the CEO in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, now it meets at CSO, CIO, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm more intimate with with the choices. Yeah. But also because of the previous arrangements, know when we should be bringing um, even more senior people into a, a decision because of the risks associated with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, what we mentioned you talked about your new CEO. He's been in office since early February, so That's almost right. a year. And uh, he is a scientist himself with a long history at... Uh, Miter And one of the things that when we talked about this earlier, you said he's been emphasizing the importance of MITRE becoming a learning organization. And how is that different from, I, I tend to think of research organizations as kind of in a constant state of learning and discovery anyway. So how is this different? I mean, how does the corporate mission, I understand the agility and the faster mm-hmm. moving?
1: Um, well, uh, he. I, I don't think it's a cold start choice we've mm-hmm. had an award-winning knowledge management program for yeah. a decade
0: oh yeah you guys have uh, garnered all kinds of innovation right. awards over the years right.
1: yep um uh that said uh, there's a desire his desire to make it really part of our dna to capture reuse um learn adjust processes mm-hmm. um reuse projects. uh uh, content from one uh, project or sponsor mm-hmm. to another, uh, and institutionalize at the next level mm-hmm. that it's not just capturing repositories of products and analysis, but also capture and reuse the expertise to apply it mm-hmm. and change the processes of the company to be more supportive of continuous learning as a as mm-hmm. a as an organization. So uh, it's actually Um, a um, Mm re-emphasis or a next emphasis on what it takes for the company to be continuously improving Mm -hmm. by learning from its experience. And that's something that the company as a whole is embracing um, very rapidly. We had foundations where we could capture Mm -hmm. um, but finding and applying and making that part of the expectation um, that you're going to f- uh, improve the overall uh, operating process or project delivery process of the corporation. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a big point of emphasis and uh, has a real value payoff.
0: Yeah. Well, and I imagine that it is, especially over time, quite a cultural change in that engineers, scientists, technologies, co- technologists – they all love to. They like to invent. They like yeah. to create their own processes. The idea. I can remember years ago when object oriented programming started rolling in, and the biggest problem was with developers who didn't want to use somebody else's module because they didn't do it. Right. Um, so uh, how, how do you how do you work with that? <laughs> that did, you don't just put out a memo and everybody cooperates. So what is some of the training and, uh, and some of the ways you've gotten the organization on board?
1: So there are there are. Uh, people who have been assigned the responsibility mm-hmm. um, at, at the director level, um, and uh, including within my organization to participate in the efforts to institutionalize this. Okay. Um, and there are, some, there are some very creative people, um, but you don't just start with a tool. Mm-hmm. And a tool, we, we have a lot of tools. In fact, we're, tr- we're trying to, to uh, streamline some of that in, mm-hmm. in our knowledge management space where we can focus the energy so that it makes it easier and more streamlined, um, that the knowledge capture is in the flow. And also okay. in the flow is is the search, the quest for what we've already done mm-hmm. or or who is the, the greatest expert on a given topic. Mm-hmm. And find those, pair them together, and look for the option to reapply uh, to the next capability. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with what you, uh, with uh, mm-hmm. you, you put a provocative statement on the on the uh, table that said uh, uh, developers and engineers scientists and engineers like to, like to create. Yeah. Um, but if you've got an 80% solution mm-hmm. that's already been executed for one sponsor or even for an internal process, mm-hmm. you're much better off taking it modifying it, leveraging it, then you are starting from scratch again. Yes. And so our ability to do that, um, we have some, we've had considerable success, mm-hmm. but we want to stretch it to the next level.
0: What's an example, like a kind of a practical example of where that has succeeded? Something that you've seen happen in the last year that wouldn't have happened if you weren't taking this approach?
1: Um, in the last year i'm um i'd have trouble um mm-hmm. putting my finger on a specific instance mm-hmm. but I, over the last couple of years um an example that that uh was connected to the same kind of thinking was we have we form um uh, essentially public par- private partnership arrangements mm-hmm. where we do shared analytics with outside entities and in one case that uh is uh, aviation safety, where um, different participants, players in the uh, aviation community, airlines, uh, manufacturers, the FAA, um, uh, share data, but not with each other, but with us, mm-hmm. and we can do help. Uh, we can do analytics on data in ways that uh, they can use to. Uh, make changes in the air traffic management system mm-hmm. to increase safety
0: but that don't compromise them by exposing things to competitors That's or right. other businesses That's that right. they don't want out. Mm-hmm.
1: That's exactly right mm-hmm. now that same model can be applied to other areas and uh, so if, if you could be talking uh, patient safety as mm-hmm. opposed to aviation safety um, but the first instance that we were involved in um, was from one domain and you Want to pick it up and move it, the same model to additional uh, to additional domains. Mm-hmm. Don't start from scratch. Uh, there are we well there are lessons learned yeah. from that first set of applications that can be reapplied to other domains effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's one example. There are other places where we would like to, uh, even in IT, mm-hmm. be able uh, to deploy new environments more quickly. Yeah. They're not necessarily in the same physical location. They're not necessarily um, uh, at the, to the same uh, um, control standards. Um, but if we can reuse them quickly, we have a great advantage.
0: Well, and it's, it's a terrific mind shift, too, if you get people from out of that not invented here mind shift into a one where they start thinking it's probably been invented here. Let me look around and see yeah. who has this expertise.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I'd, g- I'd go further and say it uh, may not even be invented at MITRE, mm-hmm. which means we have to have a good understanding of what's available right? Um, so that we're not inventing something that is already available in a quicker okay. way.
0: Fair enough. Um, other than we've, we've talked a little bit about your new role and about security, what are some of the other important strategic focus <coughs> areas for you well, I guess with both your hats on, but mainly I'm thinking of you as the CIO going into 2018. I I always ask CIOs what are their biggest initiatives, and usually that's the way I get to the things that are k- keeping them up at night yeah. and are very top of mind. So,
1: well, well, for sure, the our, our cybersecurity program is yeah. always going to be top of mind, and uh, especially if in in this the way I'm wearing two hats here. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that we have to pay attention to. Uh, the The threat keeps evolving. The Mm -hmm. the value, the value that we uh, of the assets that we have is is high, and it's something that we take very seriously and have for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But we can't rest on our laurels about that at all. Um, We, if you stand still in this space, you're going to Mm -hmm. be in a bad place. Um, But there's other places where we want to bring extra capability to bear internal to the company and then beyond. So uh, as we've, we've talked about uh, learning organization and and uh, the, our, what we had called our knowledge-driven enterprise, at its foundation, MITRE is a company of knowledge workers. And uh, our ability to, to capture and reuse is really high, and we want to be data and knowledge-driven in the choices that we make. Uh, but we also need to deliver knowledge and, and information uh, to the to all parts of the company at least as fast as they need it yeah. so over the last few years uh, we've been putting energy into um, delivering content and delivering um, decision making data mm-hmm. um, in an anticipatory way mm-hmm. so that when somebody, for example, there's several work streams to this so I'll pick a couple uh, one is um if someone joins the changes their role, including becoming an employee mm-hmm. or switching to become a project leader or a new manager, we want to deliver the content that's appropriate to their new role as fast as they can consume it, mm-hmm. but not just throw a binder on their desk and say, you're a project leader now. Not Here. just
0: turn on the fire hose. Right. Right.
1: So we've been delivering it in a in a metered way, mm-hmm. and in the order that we think is most valuable to them, mm. um, we have uh, a, we've been working across the whole corporation, um, in, uh, including with the people involved in the learning organization initiatives, uh, to say, uh, let's get a standard version of the of the basic project leader um, mm-hmm. the role. workbook. Mm-hmm. Um but not in workbook form um, and uh, and deliver uh, those in pieces over the course of s- some number of weeks after they've taken on the role mm-hmm. um, and we actually have delivered it through our intranet in a way that cues uh, up things that they ought to pay attention to uh, okay. one step at a time mm-hmm. and that's been very well received because mm-hmm. it isn't just a fire hose it it's a way of, of delivering the information that they need at um, a pace they can consume it.
0: Like a scheduled watering of the garden so you know you don't yep. drown everything in, yep. in one whole thing. Yep. Um, yes, you had mentioned that the intranet team and they have a new use of data to do these triggers and alerts.
1: That's right. And that sort of... So the, I'll follow that thread for a moment. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of data. Every company does uh, about their environment. Mm-hmm. And what we'd like to do is and we've been working at this is, um, is set thresholds and triggers and recommenders based on the data that we have and the uses that individuals uh, mm-hmm. demonstrate if they're interested in X they may be interested in Y as well you know, Amazon's and Netflix have done this for, for that's a right. long time. I'm
0: a huge sucker for that <laughs> on Amazon. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah i I wonder sometimes what, why I've got the movies I've got, but, um, yeah,
0: it's just someone told you you should have them. That, that's right. Yeah.
1: Uh, but we'd like to do that in, in our, mm-hmm. in, a uh, corporate operations, not, not for the corporate operations organization, but as a part of functioning in, in the company. Mm-hmm. So if a threshold is noted, um, uh, Either some activity or some lack of activity mm. trigger a reminder, mm. uh, or trigger an alert that said something is out of budget or something is being underspent, which may have an indicator of some other challenge.
0: Sounds almost like a corporate Fitbit uh, in, in, a sc-
1: in a way. <laughs> in a sense, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's not exactly you know, stand mm. up and stretch, but it's yeah. the idea is to get across the the way of. Uh, triggering action, or at least triggering a look mm-hmm. uh, to see if uh, if uh, operation to date um, should indicate something that's several months out, yeah. or at least to take a look at what might be causing something seven, several months out.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's so interesting, too, because we've had a lot of talking and writing over the last few years about predictive analytics and all the different ways to use it, I think you're the first person I've talked with who talks about anticipatory knowledge delivery, and it, it's, it's, it reminds me of the, um, the old saying among marketers that you're trying to give people what they never knew they always wanted, and you're trying to give, yeah. and it's to employees. Do you also do this with your contractors and with your customers? Um, or is this mostly for the internal workforce? Uh,
1: what I'm describing is mm-hmm. is an application to to our internal workforce. Okay. Um, but there's no reason why you can't use that as an exemplar for what can be done
2: right. in right.
1: external engagement mm-hmm. um, with our sponsors. Our sponsors have the same have some of the same yeah. uh, challenges that they'd like to solve. So. Well, um, and they
0: hire you to solve their problems, yeah. so that's they probably, do indeed. That's probably yeah. a problem for them. Yeah. Um, and you do a lot of that with the IT organization, essentially. I, th- I like I like to call it drinking your own champagne, where uh, you know you you test out things internally that um, you can share that knowledge with customers. Right. Is that uh, the ability to do that and the focus on doing that? Is that just is, does that continue to grow over time, or is it? kind of stabilized and predictable at this point
1: I think the topics on which um, um, we do that Mm -hmm. change over time but it's sometimes they go in cycles yeah Um, um, the our we have a robust uh, IT information and knowledge environment Mm -hmm. Um, but that carries with it some complexity Mm -hmm. Um, and and but it's also a place to gain operational experience. If right. we can try something on ourselves, mm-hmm. um, whether it's a um, something in our research program or it's in our um, direct work program or sponsor work, mm-hmm. um, and we have a test bed of of MITRE itself that can inform, especially the operational aspects, yeah. very effectively. We get a lot of questions that that are well, what do you do for yourselves? Mm -hmm. And we in corporate IT have long been stand ready to answer those. Uh, It's a regular and recurring interaction with uh, our sponsor community Mm -hmm. about how we do something for ourselves and whether that can be harvested for their environments. Sometimes it can't. Their requirements and our requirements are not exactly Mm -hmm. the same. Um, But often it can be. And so we have regular discussions about, um, things like, um, uh, enterprise systems, monitoring tools. How do we get our service assurance Mm -hmm. and how do we, um, measure and identify anomalies in, in performance of given parts of our environment. Yeah. Um, and we've had a lot of experience and we share what we share as we learn. And, uh, that, that in turn has turned into a pretty regular conversation on specific topics, mm-hmm. um, in cybersecurity as well. Uh, okay. What we do for ourselves, uh, and what we've tried on the MITRE environment, helps inform what our sponsors um, could learn from us.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, as we were talking earlier, and I, I was asking, you've got the seven federally funded research, the R and D centers, um, about what the bulk of MITRE's work falls under national security. So 63% of the work that you do is related to that. It's in that ballpark, yeah. It's in that ballpark. Um, But I've also heard you talk in the past a lot about the importance of the engaging user experience. And that used to be, especially for uh, companies, you know, defense contractors and companies that work in highly secure environments. That used to be a real problem with as smartphones as the iPhones arrived, and it became uh, more of a security. A, a security concern with everyone with their smartphones. Um, yet you've found different ways to solve that. Talk a little bit about that. How you how you make the user experience more engaging while still keeping all of your crown jewels safely locked away. Yeah.
1: So um, the primary um, the primary thing is paying attention to both at the same time. The user experience. It, it, it's very easy to say well that sounds hard or <laughs> or or it, it doesn't it doesn't mm-hmm. uh, on the surface meet a specific security control okay. therefore we shouldn't do it mm-hmm. um the, the flips de-
0: the department of no yeah that's yeah. right yeah. exactly
1: mm-hmm. All right so um the fact that it's hard uh, needs to be balanced with it's also w- whether it's valuable mm-hmm. um and whether uh, gives advantages and and whether it makes it easier for people to do their the rest of their job. Mm-hmm. And so we have a very uh, careful balance uh, process that says uh, we're not going to do something that that uh, is unnecessarily risky, mm-hmm. but we're not just going to start with no and work mm-hmm. back from there. So we have a uh, great desire to make it easier to get things done mm-hmm. so um, in the case of a smartphone we have containers on the smartphone that are that are secure those are commercial products right. but we operate them in a, in a particular way that meets our, uh, uh, reg, uh, c- our control standards mm-hmm. um, where we can have a, uh, a zone of our network that is less uh, necessary to control for innovation or the like, mm-hmm. then uh, we'll configure that. Where we have something that has to have a higher level of control for sensitive information, we'll build build an enclave that the data never leaves mm-hmm. uh, and use other techniques to keep it uh, at a higher control yeah. level. But to think one size fits all, or if, if I'm going to do this, it has to apply to every single uh, device in the company or every single piece of data in the company really locks you into uh, uh, a rigidity of uh, operation that can frustrate uh, yeah. the population.
0: That becomes the reason why they eliminate their corporate apps from their phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's right. why they cut those things off. Well, you, would, you and, n- and recognize yeah. That, yeah. that
1: people will find a way to get things done.
0: Especially and engineers uh, and technology and people. And you, know. you want them to yeah.
1: work with the system, not around it. Mm-hmm. And the more we can accommodate their expectations of mm-hmm. how things can work and work relatively simply, the better off we are.
0: Yeah. Well, and one of the things you uh, said to me about it, if it's not sensitive, we can drive it to mobile. Right. So you've got, and what's an example of some applications or Employee touch points that you've been able to drive to mobile that you couldn't a few years ago um
1: so we we actually originally took on this topic uh, th- assuming that we couldn't be we, we couldn't know what the spent the sensitivity of the data was, so mm-hmm. for example, if somebody sends you something in email mm-hmm. you you don't control what that content is right. so we were v- extremely careful about. What well, we would allow to go to a mobile device because mm-hmm. we started with email.
0: And email's and, a mess. And email's a very <laughs> difficult thing yeah.
1: to be, be, uh, to have level of assurance about what the content is. Mm-hmm. So um, starting um, about a year and a half ago, we actually addressed it from the opposite end of the spectrum and said, all right, what do we know isn't sensitive?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And can we provision that mm-hmm. to mobile devices Mm -hmm. and it turns out there's quite a bit that in our day-to-day activities that uh, we were able to drive to mobile devices because we know by definition it's not sensitive and that changed our thinking that's an
0: example of something like that
1: um so on my intranet Mm -hmm. i have a gadget that that, that you know, we can we have a configurable personalized intranet mm-hmm. portal. And there's a gadget called My Actions, mm-hmm. and it's all the administrative things that I have to do over the course of a day, from proving this or that, mm-hmm. uh, a purchase request, yeah, <laughs> a a, a uh, Get purchase request, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's actually where we drive that that content that I was describing before as well. Mm-hmm. But in that process. I know that the specific items in there. I know what they are. I know what subsystems mm-hmm. the purchasing system feeds mm-hmm. feeds it. Now I get an alert on my phone that says, "You have a purchase request to uh, to approve." To approve. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do that if uh, I could not do that before, and that was kind of a silly boundary that mm-hmm. we had imposed on ourselves. Uh, to um, to protect against mm-hmm. uh, other data, not that data. Yeah. Um, another example uh, is uh, filling out my time card.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, That's probably it's not, it's a probably not mission critical <laughs> security
1: wise. We still have authentication. Mm-hmm. We still have uh, some boundaries on being able to use uh, the app that allows this, uh, but I don't assume the most sensitive and then work backwards mm-hmm. i, I uh, am able to deliver non-sensitive things yeah um, in another in another environment that may not be as much of a of a boundary point mm-hmm. but in our environment it is right and the expectations uh, you and i have talked about this before uh, the expectations aren't being set by corporate rules They're being sat by...
0: Google and Amazon and and Uber and, uh, yeah, Yeah. all the things you can do on your smartphone. Right. expect to be able to do them at work. Right. Um, Well, one of the phrases phrases I've heard you use about this is that it's about taking the friction out of the workday. That's right. Do you see that happening, and you've made a lot of progress in doing that. Do you see it happening at your customers as well? Do you find some of the uh, um, agencies you work with Say you know they see you approving a purchase rec on your phone. And they say you can do that. How do how do we do something like that? Is it is, some. is it spreading? Do you think? I think some. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I I can't speak authoritatively across all of our sponsors, right. but yeah. but um, I think the expectations I- in in just about every environment are rising, mm-hmm. and the IT organizations of any entity, mm-hmm. um, any. Uh, government or uh, company or academic institutions, I think the expectations of flexibility and mm-hmm. mobility and mm-hmm. location independence are rising everywhere.
0: Well, and it feels to me like CIOs and IT organizations are just much more attentive to and tapped into the idea of customer engagement, you know, of thinking, about, thinking from the end user point of view. Um, I, I hear that at our yeah. different events across all the different yeah. industries. Yeah,
1: I think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think in uh, uh, most of the pe- places where people will use examples to demonstrate that in the digital this under the uh, label of digital transformation mm-hmm. are mostly retail. Or mm-hmm. individual customer, as opposed to business to business or business to uh, right. to government. It's more about kind of the mass customization, or even government mm-hmm. to consumer. Although there's there's a retail aspect of that, mm-hmm. um, but I think the the expectations are rising across every one of those uh, business interaction models. Mm-hmm. The, the expectation is the um, that I shouldn't. Uh, I shouldn't have to change modes in order to execute what right. I want to execute. Right. Yeah. Um, there, there's a commercial for uh, um, one of the prominent vendors where mm-hmm. uh, uh, a woman asks a teenager, "What are you doing on your computer?" And she's using an iPad and says, "What's a computer?" Mm-hmm. And I think that expectation that that mm-hmm. it ch- I shouldn't. It shouldn't have to switch from my mobile device to a yeah. desktop machine. Yeah, I think that's only going to get a more more uh, more extreme demand signal.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I remember years ago my kids discovered in our basement we still had a dial telephone down there and they found it one day <laughs> and they brought it, and this is like in the 90s and they brought it upstairs and they had it on the table and they were looking at it and they kept poking their fingers in the halls expecting something to happen <laughs> And when we showed them, well, you actually pulled it around this way. And they were like, that's so slow. <laughs> how could you, you know, exactly. how did you all live before you just could press buttons? Yep. Um, the, um, uh, this actually kind of leads us naturally into talking a little bit more about innovation. Oh. Um, I, I find CIOs like to talk about business strategy, leadership, and uh, innovation. And we do a lot of that at our various CIO events. Miter's mission, though, actually depends on a constant ability to innovate. It's right. not just talk for you guys; it's actually the way you make your living. So, uh, how uh, talk about your approach to it? Do you take a formal approach or an informal? Do you do both? So s- there's your a bit setup? of both. <laughs>
1: there's a bit of both. So, um, mm-hmm. I set the stage for what we do in IT by uh, uh, the collaboration we've had with with our chief technology officers over the years. Mm-hmm and the research program of the company and so the research we we have a substantial IRD research program Mm -hmm. and some portions of that are are software and cyber and it centric some are completely different technology areas Mm because it's for the company as a whole not uh, not for us okay uh it's it's for on behalf of our of our sponsors but We've had a long collaboration with the research program where the research are are things that we can apply to ourselves or can inform Mm -hmm. by applying to ourselves. So um, among those are uh, rolling out a a, uh, social network software platform um, back in about 2009 Mm -hmm. uh, when the idea of applying it to the enterprise was not really supported by any of the offerings in the world mm. uh, we actually met directly with Facebook at one point yeah and they were they, yeah, were, like, they were they were signing we're up a hundred a hundred million yeah. users at a time <laughs> looking at enterprises was not their right. not a, not yeah. really on their interest at the time mm-hmm. anyway we did it for a variety of reasons including understanding how um, interactions happened within an enterprise mm. uh, via social media mm-hmm. and we Built one with the appropriate security controls for our environment, Um, but around that same time, we started using a crowdsourcing platform Mm -hmm. for uh, uh, selecting, uh, proposing, refining, selecting research proposals. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a it was a partnership between IT and our CTO's office that put up this platform.
0: And the CTO actually runs the, the R&D, the research. Um, so that's a separate organization yeah. from yours, yeah. but foundational IT supports and enables yeah. all that. Yes.
1: <coughs> uh, they'll, they'll have some specialty IT environments as well, but, mm-hmm. but a lot of what they do rides our basic infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So um, what we did... Uh, was built started using this clouds crowdsourcing method mm-hmm. uh, so that people could collaborate to refine um, these uh, research proposals yeah. then we applied it within i t as well We run a a much smaller um, uh, innovation program where people can propose ideas and we'll do campaigns uh, a campaign for a few weeks at a about a couple times a year and mm-hmm. say here are the themes that we're interested in mm-hmm.
0: yeah. is this your innovation ignition yeah. program yeah okay. and these are actually involved like it's a grants process right yeah. it's sort of it's
1: mm-hmm. sm- small small uh, test amounts but yeah. uh, they then d- we determine whether there's something from that 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 is worthy to put into our service development process mm-hmm. and and deployment and they um, it's we, we Started uh, doing this within the IT organization, and then we expanded it to include. Um, there's a self-organized uh, group of millennials across the company
2: mm-hmm.
1: who uh, had. A, were, we're looking for ways to, frankly, get attention on their ideas about how we could change the the way the company works. Yeah. So they're now invited into this process as well, mm-hmm. and so uh, anybody can comp- can propose, although mm-hmm. we also target places where we we think is uh, going to be an um, effective way to find good ideas to try. Yeah, And that in turn has, inform has uh, made um, adjustments to uh, production operations, mm-hmm. uh, where we've rolled out a service that was based on an idea that was started with um, this ideation platform mm-hmm. and then ultimately um, selected within a theme that we thought was going to be important. Is Some of our mobility work started there, yeah.
0: too. Is that what the MITRE at Work app? Didn't that start in yeah. your innovation program? Yeah. yeah. It
1: was connected there, yes. Uh, and the idea of that was exactly what we were talking about before, which is the non-sensitive items that we could do- deliver to uh, mm-hmm. mo- mobile devices with less yeah. concern.
0: I... Uh, <laughs> I love the sound of that—a self-organized group of millennials. <laughs> Do they give themselves a name? I, I remember my uh, uh, my son works at Google, and uh, they call the new employees "Newglers" because everybody's got a Google kind of moniker that gets put on them. Did this group of millennials? How many of them were there? Did they give um, themselves a name? They did, did they have a president?
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know that they have a president. Uh-huh. They certainly have a. People who are the uh, the, spokes- the leaders, the yeah, spokespeople. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, they're called next up.
0: Next up, oh, and okay. uh, well,
1: and it started actually that's
0: sending a message up the management chain, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it started mm-hmm.
1: in uh, um, the organization that our new C uh, CEO ran uh, mm-hmm. some years back, yeah. and um, it uh, it was in you know, one one por- uh, one pretty large chunk of the business but it it was not universal when it started Mm -hmm. but within a year or two there were there's a sort of self-organizing community across the entire company Mm -hmm. and uh, um, it's uh, early career professionals and uh, extended into interns and co-ops as well Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's they're amazing frankly Um, there's a level of energy and interest and Like, and we talk about uh, talked before about taking friction out of the system. Mm -hmm. There's a place where you don't want to add friction, uh, where they are
0: because they'll hack around it.
1: uh, Yeah, and and they'll Mm -hmm. just get frustrated. So our desire is just to mobilize that Mm -hmm. uh, their interests and their capabilities in ways that uh, accelerates rather than Mm -hmm. causes friction.
0: Yeah. Well, and as a research organization, of course, you did a lot of research on what millennials were looking for and how to acquire them and retain them and all that. What are some of the things you've discovered as a leader about working with our younger generation in the, in the workforce and what they're after and some of the kind of surprising findings? Um. Because everybody assumes a lot of things about millennials. Um, I, th- I
1: think it's easy to paint with a broad brush. It
0: is, it is. And I'm always reminding when I hear CIOs starting to grouse about millennials, I have to remind them those are our kids you're grousing about. <laughs> because if you're a baby boomer, your children are millennials. Uh, well, so.
1: uh, uh, it's uh, worth noting that yeah. they are the workforce now. And they are. So right? the idea that they're they're something other than the workforce doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense anymore. Right. Uh, it probably never made any sense. No. Um I think what we've found, we, we've done uh, different engagements um, to try to understand um, how to adopt the company to, um, to others as opposed to um, that make them fit the traditional views of the company's operation. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, um, I think some of the experiments we've, w- or and uh, pilots that we've run, with millennials have informed how we configure collaboration spaces and how we okay. configure lab spaces more effectively. And, and, uh, there are pl- there are times when we've actually made specific design changes in our space standard based on the experience we've had mm-hmm. with millennials. Um, a few years ago we had a, a, um, uh, a, a subset, uh, who worked in my organization where we had a, a a lab space where, and they all each had their own projects to execute, Mm -hmm. but we gave them the flexibility to configure it any way they wanted. Mm. And this was over the summer. Mm -hmm. And so there were co-ops and interns and, and some early career staff working together. And they rearranged it very differently than I could have have imagined. And Mm -hmm. we actually had time-lapsed cameras to see how the space was changed. And, um, and that in turn um, gave higher emphasis on collaboration spaces than on than on uh, you know, mm-hmm. solo offices. Nobody with,
0: wanted uh, cubicles. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh,
1: I didn't I don't know that that was explicitly an option, but mm-hmm. um, but that in turn also said the virtual environments for mm-hmm. collaboration had to change. Uh,
2: oh of course. So
1: um, we configured, the arrangements around those as well mm-hmm. i think uh the collaboration pa- platforms that i talked about before were refined some by that mm-hmm. and the integration of virtual and and uh, physical collaboration spaces hmm. became it became more obvious that we had to make it simpler to interconnect them
0: yeah it, it becomes hard to tell after a while which one is driving the other it's you know the ability to virtually collaborate uh, may be shaping. I, I don't imagine it's just happening in a miter. It's probably at all sorts of companies. Yeah, I don't.
1: I, mm. I think that's true.
0: Because you made the point earlier that um, the way that millennials do want to work differently together, but that actually all age groups and generations in the workforce today do as well.
1: That's I it's, think I think there are some universal things. <laughs> yeah, some <laughs> yeah. I mean, the mm-hmm. saturation of some social networks or social media platforms by millennials is followed directly by uh, the next wave, mm-hmm. older and younger who are also adopting those platforms. Yeah. And, and there's clearly been waves of that over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the idea that that uh, the expectations, their expectations, are changed by their experience Mm -hmm. and they come into a a corporate environment and suddenly there's a lot of boundaries and if we can keep the important ones and reduce the unimportant ones uh, yeah it works out better for everybody
0: well and i've heard other cios say that one of the things they like about bringing in interns and um other you know the the first first generation workers essentially is that if they notice the boundaries, they don't tend to respect them very much, um, and that they also just don't know what all the like hidden bureaucratic walls are, so they just tend to kind of crash through into areas, um, which mm-hmm. can be alarming and refreshing and all that for yeah. for other workers. Yeah. Um, the um, uh, are there specific programs that you have uh, to retain? more millennials at MITRE or is it more on a case-by-case basis?
1: Um, There are Mm -hmm. some uh, specific programs that are intended to engage them more. Okay. Um, And I don't mean Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's not really targeting but to make sure that opportunities are available. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. There's uh, this isn't in my organization it's in our uh, research work program Mm -hmm. Uh, there's early career researchers, mm-hmm. and there's uh, extra um, attention brought yeah. to make sure that we're getting people with uh, research research interests mm-hmm. uh, earlier in their career engaged in the program.
0: Well, and to go even earlier, I know MITRE has a long history of being involved in various STEM. Events to uh, get kids much earlier into the school system interested. Do you still do a lot of specific programs around that?
1: We do. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of that is the kind of computer uh, community engagement um, Mm -hmm. that uh, things, uh, events like Girls Who Code and and um, uh, other venues where we can, um, in a reasonable way, offer access to our facilities for, for an evening event or mass innovation nights
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, we, that's uh, here with the Commonwealth. Okay. And, uh, but we try to reach as broadly as we can.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, similar events in, in uh, Virginia as well and at our some of our site locations.
0: Great. Okay. Well, I think we are just about out of time, and I'll ask you one of my favorite last questions that I like to wrap up interviews with is to ask for a great piece of advice. So when you think about early and mid-career professionals in IT and all the uncertainty about what lies ahead, if you imagine yourself back 20, 25 years in your IT career, uh, what what would you advise to people kind of coming up the ladder? What sort of approaches should they take to developing themselves as leaders?
1: Um, Be willing to take a risk. Mm -hmm. even in a company like Miter, who is uh, our job is to help the government reduce its risk. I mean that's one yeah. portion of what yeah. we do. Um, if you have an idea that you think is is uh, um, important and mm-hmm. brings extra value, take the risk. Mm-hmm. You know, back it. Um, it's I've learned that. Uh, um, It's easy to say no, as we talked about before. Mm -hmm. It's easy to find the flaws Mm -hmm. in something or an approach or an idea and say, oh, it won't work because of X. Advocacy of something like that is a risk of its own. Yes. Uh, Going on record to say this, I think, is going to be really important. Yeah. And there are people who, who have told me things that I thought were uh, just not very, I thought they were crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy is a little strong. I just <laughs> thought they were wrong mm. and they were right. And yeah. they advocated uh, for something that that really did matter mm-hmm. and wow. were willing to, to uh, take me on to say, you know, this is really important. This mm-hmm. is really going to make a difference. Yeah. And I didn't see it and they did. That's and great. So That's great be advice. willing to take a risk.
0: Yep. I had, uh, I've asked I ask a lot of CIOs this question, and one of my favorite answers, and a lot of them say this, is uh, the courage of your convictions, which yeah. is another version of that. You know, yeah. Speak up and, and you know, the speaking truth to power thing, yeah. which uh, a lot of times they say, I wish I had started doing that earlier in my career. Yep. So, Thank you very much for being here with thank us today. Thank you for today. having me. It's really been a great conversation. And I want to thank our uh, listeners or everyone who tuned in. We will, uh, if you are tuning in at the very end and thinking to yourself, I wish I could hear this whole conversation all over again. uh, We will have this up on our site on CIO.com tomorrow. And we post an audio podcast of my interview with Joel on um, iTunes and Google Play and SoundCloud. And we'll be back again with the next episode of CIO Leadership Live in the first week of March when I'll be talking with CIO Mojgan Lefebvre from Liberty Mutual. So thank you very much for tuning in, and thank you again to my guest, Joel Jacobs, the CIO of MITRE Corp.